Outsiders podcast. This is a conversation on race, justice, and Jesus. We are your hosts. My name is Neil Sandlin. I am a pastor in Dallas, Texas, and I am here with one of my co-pastors, Tyler France. Tyler, what's going on? Hey, what's going on? We are excited about this. This is going to be our very first episode, so if you are joining us, you are getting in at the ground level beginning of this yes. whole thing. And uh, we don't know what God has in store for us and for this podcast, but we're excited um, that he has led us to do it and to, to get involved in speaking on these things with a little bit more time than just popping on social media and dropping a quote and trying to argue on Facebook. That, that never happens. never that, goes that, well, that, though. That, that happens to you? <laughs> it never, ever goes well. Hmm. Well, I think the first thing we need to do right off the top here is kind of discuss why we decided to call this podcast the outsiders and not something else it wasn't just because it was a clever name even though we are uh, very fond of it it's though pr- it's, yeah, it's pretty clever yes we are yeah. we are happy with it we are happy with it <laughs> but we decided to call it this uh, first and foremost i think because of our relationship with jesus yep. um, which causes our relationship with the world to be strained. We are outcasts from society, as First Peter says. We are exiles from the system of this world uh, because we're in the kingdom of God, period. And so because we're in the kingdom of God, we are going to be outcasts from uh, society. And I know, Tyler, you've experienced um, being shunned for your faith or kind of Absolutely. marginalized yeah. for your faith. Especially with these topics that we're going to discuss. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm very familiar with, with some... Uh, <laughs> Some some heat, yeah. I'll say, yeah. yeah, and especially when you come to these topics of race and justice and, Je- and Jesus, Absolutely. and Jesus is the priority. Uh, the world wants to talk about race and justice, but the Jesus part is sometimes left out, which right. we will not do on this podcast. Another reason why we want to be called <laughs> the Outcast uh, is because we are uh, Tyler and I personally feel like outcast from the political system that the world uh, in our culture really is. That two-party system of Republican and Democrat, Tyler and I, neither one really feel like we fit in that mold. Too left for the right, too right for the left. Yes. We're just, we're just, we don't fit in, in that. And, uh, I hope that you will see as we go along that us being biblical, um, theologians and us wanting to drive everything from scripture, you'll see why we can't fit into either one of the the philosophies or the way that they conduct themselves as a Republican and Democrat. And so it makes it uh, very difficult for us sometimes to navigate language because the language we're trying to navigate sometimes falls into, well, that's Republican language or that's Democrat language. And yeah. so as soon as you say something, one side or the other jumps on it. And um, that happened to me yesterday on Twitter. I <laughs> simply responded to something that was said with Jesus is King, uh, not knowing that my statement was disagreeing with something and someone who would have agreed with me on that topic attacked me right. simply for saying Jesus is King. Yeah. So um, because they think that's a Republican thing. Right. That's not a Republican thing. That's yeah. a Jesus thing. Yeah. Um, Absolutely. Another thing that Tyler and I find ourselves kind of not really being able to fit in is that we feel like we're outcast from American evangelicalism. And I want to I want to speak on this just for a second. So much of American evangelicalism is us versus them. Okay. Right. It's. It's us versus the world. It's us versus the lost. It's us versus the pagans and verses. I always, mm-hmm. always, my parents always tease me because I say verse. <laughs> I've been saying verse for years. Us versus. Yeah. Um, and that's not the way that God has told us to set things up, Tyler. And and right. we get in, ourselves in trouble when it's an us yeah. versus them. And then versus we just divide. Then, and, and, yeah. Yeah. Nothing good comes from right. that kind of division. It causes division. You know, the language of the culture war, right? right? Where it's, you know, we, we have to change the culture and we got to, and so that means it's us versus the people that want to change it the other way. Right. Instead of the biblical mind, which is it's us for them. Right. Even if we believe they're wrong, it's us for them. And yes, 100%. we correct truth, but we got to, yeah, we got to speak to to love. Absolutely. You know, we have to speak to love. Um, and then lastly, um, and probably most importantly, um, in this context, in this podcast, we are uh, outsiders from the African-American community. Mm-hmm. If you 
cannot tell just by listening to us already. <laughs> we are uh, two Anglican white. Uh, what's your ancestry, Tyler? Do you even know what your ancestry? I'm German, is? man. German. Yeah. I am. That's pretty white. <laughs> that, yeah, that's that's pretty white. I am a English Irish Native American. Ooh, that's what I am. An English nice. Irish Native American. But I don't have a lot of that Native American in me. So looking <laughs> at me, you wouldn't you wouldn't necessarily know. But I think I've got some Cherokee in me um, on my mom's side, and English and Irish as well. So. We we did not necessarily um, grow up in, in the African-American community. Now, we were closely related, as right. we're going to talk about in just a minute as we share our testimonies about kind of how we got here, but we we are not black, right? right? And we there are things that we haven't experienced that our close friends have experienced mm-hmm. simply because of their, their color. So we're outcast from the African-American community, not because they, they have ostracized us or pushed us away, or, uh, but simply just because we are not um, embedded because of our skin color and some of the issues that they've experienced. And I think that's what I'm so excited about is, is that we are going to be able to learn with you guys, and, and this podcast is going to be uh, a way to really break through and, and for our understanding to get more as well. So For sure. And, and that's, you know, when we start talking about the purpose of this podcast, yeah. the purpose of this podcast is first and foremost to educate white Americans, yeah. right? Um, we're going to speak on a lot of topics and a lot of the African-Americans are going to be like, yeah, we yeah. know, yeah. we know, trust us, we yeah. we experience it. But I think that this podcast will be a tool and a resource if, if people want to use it for an right. opportunity for people to, um, to listen to, to learn, to grow. And that would just be my plea. Right. You're not going to agree with everything you hear. Right. I mean, they're going to listen to you talk, Tyler, and they're going to be like, well, I don't agree with Tyler on that. Yeah. You know, they're going to listen to me lie. and they're going to, they're going to say, well, I don't agree with Neil on that. Right. And we, we understand that. Yeah. And in fact, we, we kind of invite a discussion of differing views because that's how we all learn and grow and change. Yeah. And so what we're begging people that, that, listen to this podcast and while we're begging people to listen to the podcast is if we'll listen, if we will uh, think, then I think we'll learn and grow. And I think as white people and as white Americans, there's a lot of growth and understanding that needs to happen, which will then lead to compassion and empathy and better being able to love people that are different than you based on skin color. Yeah. And I I think this kind of podcast having uh, two white guys discuss these topics um I, th- I think that there is a certain amount of um humility that needs to happen here yeah, and, and no we we do not have this all figured out we do not understand um all of these things but we have been studying and we're trying to be as diligent as possible and this is our way to love and to serve our uh brothers and sisters and so yeah and i think that was as we were talking about putting this podcast together, that was one of the things that really hit us. We want to, we want to love our white brothers and sisters in Christ and love them enough to say, Hey, here's some things to think about. And we also want to love our African American brothers and sisters by encouraging them to let them know like, Hey, we're an advocate for you. We're on your side. We've got you, your back. And we don't want you to have to be the ones. We don't want the people to feel like they're being treated unjustly to be the ones that feel like they have to do all the teaching to people. Exactly. You know, and I think that's super frustrating when, you know, you're like, okay, I know you, you black people feel like, you know, that you're being mistreated by us. And while you're feeling mistreated, educate us at the same time. Exactly. It's like, that's not fair. Um, <laughs> yeah. And so Tyler and I have tried to do the work. We we are going to continue to do the work. We're yeah. going to continue to think and grow and read and talk and listen and understand. And we just want you to grow with us and try to learn uh, along with us. Yeah. Um, Tyler, why don't you um, share just for a couple minutes, we talked about maybe... Um, Really wanted to do this at the, at the very beginning so people know kind of where we're coming from. Kind of share a little bit about how you were raised, the impact that you being raised and your relationships with people and and all that kind of stuff went into why this podcast on race and why now. Yeah. Well, I, I think now is, is the time to do it. And I think that there is, uh, I, I know <laughs> that there is a biblical mandate to fight for people. Yeah. 
um, in light of the gospel. And I, I believe that the things that we tackle on the podcast are gospel issues. For sure. That is not to be confused with the gospel, right. but they are fruits of the gospel. And, and we need to be compassionate and um, we need to be willing to do the work. Yeah. And so, uh, one, this is a way that I can do the work. This is a way that is going to force me to really get educated and uh, know what I'm talking about because I want to come on here and contribute and uh, serve my brothers and sisters, uh, both in Christ and just fellow humans. Um, and I want to do that with the the focus being on Jesus. Right. And so... That is that. Uh, so um, I do not think that we can really fulfill what Jesus calls the greatest two commandments, which is love mm-hmm. the Lord your God uh, and love your neighbor as yourself and ignore these issues. Right. I, I don't think that's possible. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I, I grew up in circles where I was the only white guy. Uh, most of my <laughs> circles were uh, minorities. I You were the white kid. I was the white kid, man. I rapped. I played basketball. Um and I was, I really was the only one that looked like me, but I was accepted and loved. And, uh, I actually saw things from my brother's perspectives, um, that, that really just broke my heart. And, and I saw a system that was not really for them. And I didn't really know what that meant. Uh, until I started really studying it more, and and yeah. because you didn't again, have words when you were younger, yeah, to put on uh, it other than this ain't right, and it just didn't make sense. I mean, they, you know, I I celebrated their differences. Like right. I, I I wasn't colorblind. I, I think that's you knew you were the only statement. white kid. I knew I was the only <laughs> white kid. It was very obvious. And thank you guys for sticking with me for listening, because boy, um, but. I also knew that um, that I was treated differently and, and that I didn't have the same experiences that they had. And so I wanted to really dive into that and see why. Um, and, and as I saw injustice, I want to continue to fight it with them and stand beside them. Mm-hmm. And so that's what this podcast is for me, man. It is a uh, way to do that and a way to just connect on that level and... When did you, I mean, it was kind of, I guess, for you, because you grew up a lot of times being the only white kid, mm-hmm. you know, this has been a, a major issue for you from the very beginning because you're of the context that you were in. Right. For me, um, you know, I went to a, a pretty much all white Christian school growing up, which you did not do. Yeah. And so all of, of my friends primarily were white people, white Christians. However... Uh, my best friend from kindergarten till junior high was uh, a black kid. His his name was Chinadu Akeem. So you can you he was a actual first generation citizen uh, from his family and his line here in America. His brother's name was Prince Akeem, mm-hmm. and uh, his mother's accent was so heavy that a lot of times, even though she was speaking English, Chinadu would have to like tell me, "Hey, here's what here's what mom's saying." And, um, and we were best friends. And what that meant was for me, it means going to his house, right? And he lived in the projects. And I remember the first time I went over there hearing gunshots in the middle of the night, mm. a context that my little safe zone in Saxe yeah. didn't experience. Right. And, and so I grew up in elementary with Chinadu as my best friend. And I saw some of the things that he wrestled with and dealt with that were off my radar. Mm-hmm. And even as a kid, not being able to put words to it, like yeah. you were saying, but at least going, man, something's different here. Right. He He's having to deal with some different things that I've never had to deal with and will never have to deal with. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when I got into junior high, Chinnery left the school that, that we were at and um, got into a lot of trouble. And maybe one day on this podcast, I'll be able to share his testimony, but... Uh, I started really diving into basketball. Basketball became my love and my passion. And if you know me, then you know how much I love basketball. And and that meant playing in summer leagues. That meant not just playing in school leagues, but playing all over the place. Well, a lot of the summer leagues that I would play in, there were times where I was the only white kid on the team, you know, or me or one other kid on the team. And and all of a sudden that put me in an environment where, you know, I was the 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 white kid. Yeah. 
you know, pass, who's got the white dude? Guard the white dude. <laughs> and they assumed I could shoot, I guess, at the time, because that's all they were worried about was, don't let him shoot, don't let him shoot. But that context really changed so much. It was like another step yeah. in understanding, like, man, here's these people are going through something that is rough. Right. And the areas sometimes that they came from, and we would pick a lot of them up and take them to, it was just a real opportunity for my eyes to be open right. to a lot of stuff. And then going and playing college ball and, and you know, those were things. And then I would say for me though, when I was like, oh man, I've got to, I got to think about this issue in a deep adult intellectual way. Yeah, yeah. It was really five years ago. And, um, when you had the shooting in Dallas that happened um, where the cops were killed and you had um, different, uh, it was just a, that was a big racial tension summer yeah. about five years ago. And that caused me to be like, okay, as a pastor and as someone who is called to speak to truth, I've, I've got to dig in here. Yeah, yeah. And so over the last five years, I have spent so much time reading and thinking. And I got super convicted because I looked at my bookshelves and I was like, I don't have as many black authors as I should. I'm not yeah. reading African-Americans like I should. I'm not reading church history from the proper perspective. And so yeah. that radically changed me. And that kind of is what brought me here now, um, just doing that work over five years and being like, man, I need to share some of these things that I've learned with other people. I yeah. don't want just to be filled up. I need to be filled up to pour out. You know what I mean? Right. You Absolutely. Know? And that changed you know, a lot for me. But even though you grew up in that context, was there a moment for you where you were like, like as an adult, was there a moment where you were like, okay, now I've got, I got to get serious about learn, speaking to these things and understanding these things. Yeah. I mean, I, it's, it's probably, it probably started sparking around that five year yeah. point as well. Yeah. Um, when, ca- when it things became kind of really predominant. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's kind of fester. I mean, it's been there for, for most of my life and, and being around them. And I've had, I've had a lot of, um, I, I could tell you stories about, uh, injustices and, and run-ins with police and how they treated me differently than they did them. The guys you were with, um, with just, I mean, uh, going five miles per hour over the speed limit. I was in the car with them mm-hmm. and I was treated with respect and they were not. Yeah. And they were being respectful. Yeah. Um, so something as simple as that, but having that kind of be in the back of your head, and then when all of this exploded, right? It's just like okay, something needs to be done. Set fire this. to your heart, yeah, yeah. For me, it was Trayvon Martin thing happened, yeah. Um, then the Michael Brown thing happened, and those things I think really just made it. And regardless of how you think any of that should have played out, the the fact that the that all of that flared up and rose yeah. up man, it just, it burned in me, you know? And I think also the frustrations with the politics of it all. Um, so going into, uh, this being the Republican stance and, you know, I, I grew up as a, I I mean, I didn't know what I was talking about, but, uh, but grew up, my parents voted conservative all the time. And I mean, it was just a conservative household, a conservative Christian household, which meant you go Republican for everything. You have to. Yeah. Right? Because everything else is of the devil. I mean, like, right. and, and it, even they didn't know that at that time. Right. But that is that is kind of the the feel behind it is is well they're they're for abortion and that right there is the dividing line. And I agree. Yeah. Obviously we're pro we're pro life from <laughs> we're not we're not gonna from womb to tomb. Yeah. You know? Absolutely. And and but that's I think that's where it's really been hitting me is are we pro-life that yeah. profess that? Yeah. I mean, are we, the, ju- are we pro-life or are we just anti-abortion? Right. And, and can we be pro-life and not show compassion and be the advocates, advocates for yep. this? Yes. Yeah. No doubt. No doubt. Well, so. we, um, we just want to share a little bit of who we are, where we came from. You'll get more and more of it as the podcast goes along, but we want to jump into the topic today. And uh, what we're going to be dealing with in this first episode is the question, what is race? So generally, when we break up this podcast, we want to do it in three different categories. Just Uh, like good Baptist preachers, three points, three points. Good Baptist preachers, absolutely. So we're going to do uh, historical 
most of the time theological and in application. How we can live this out and uh, practically, like practical steps. Yeah. What do we do with what this we can now? Do and how can we repentance yeah. change? That's definitely a part of this. Morning lament. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we want to first top it, uh, start with the theological aspect right. today, and uh, I believe the the biggest the biggest one is uh, that we are all created in the image of God. Yeah, we, we as believers, as Christians, obviously believing God's word, we believe that God created everything out of nothing. Ex nihilio, out of nothing came everything. But then when God got to human beings, he did something a little bit different. He took what he had already created, the dust of the ground, and he created man and woman. And he did something for human beings that he didn't do for any, any other piece of his creation. Uh, in that he made us in his image. Genesis one twenty seven. God created yeah. man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And right. so we as Christians believe that human beings, all of us, it doesn't matter where, where we are from. It doesn't matter what issues we may have, physical, mental, otherwise. It doesn't matter how old we are or how young we are. Yeah. All human beings are created in God's image and are worthy of certain things because of that. Right. Because we are made in God's image. And not just um, some people, mm -hmm. but all human beings are worthy of some things that no nothing else in creation is worthy of. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, you know, and there's a lot of, of theological talk, right, about like what does it mean to be made in the image of God. And there are, I mean, there are books mm -hmm. written on the topic on just what that means. But I think for me, one of the things that I always try to focus on when I'm, when I'm thinking about being made in God's image is that we are spiritual beings. There is an element to us and, and about us that nothing else in creation has. And just the other night we were doing a, a devotion at our, our house and we were talking about this very same thing and I got three kids I got a 14 year old going on 15 I got a 12 year old going on 13 and I got a nine-year-old and so we're nice sitting calm there household never calm household <laughs> and uh, unless I just send them all to their rooms and say get on your phones and iPads and leave us alone for a few hours you have that power I do have that power <laughs> and as they're getting older it gets a little bit easier and easier Tyler you are not in the uh, the place to be left alone ever and so as we were talking about this one of the things that we, we were dealing with this very thing that we are made from dust and yet we are so much more than dust. Mm. And I, I said to all my kids, I made, I made every one of my kids look me in the face. And I even did it with Jessica and I made them look me right in the eye. And I said, you are worthy of respect, dignity, and life. Yeah. And I went around to every one of my kids and I said, you are worthy because you are made in the image of God. You are worthy of dignity. You are worthy of of respect and you are worthy of life. And, and I think if we're going to come to this issue of race and get anywhere, we all have to start from that point of view yeah. that every single human being, it, we are not animals. Right. We are not just evolved primates. We are image bearers of God and we've got respect and dignity and life that we deserve. Yeah. Not because we've earned it, but because of the very way that God made us. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and that's the whole framework for this. I mean, it, that's the reason we're doing what we do is because we are image bearers of God. Right. And we are... Um, animals don't do podcasts. <laughs> animals do not do podcasts. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But they don't They do not do podcasts because the, these issues of respect and honor and dignity and life yep. do not play themselves out in any other context other than image bearers of God. Exactly. The lion does not worry about, you know, now I want to go kill that that deer over there mm -hmm. or that jackalope. Is a jackalope a thing? Jack, I, don't, I don't think that's a thing. I don't think bro. that's a thing. But he, he doesn't think somebody about... Google somebody Google that for me. That <laughs> he doesn't think about the dignity and honor and the life and the respect of that creature that's his prey. But with human beings, there there is no such thing as prey right. in, in, in human beings. Homo sapiens don't have... We do not prey upon each other. Mm -hmm. Or let me say this. We should not prey. We should not upon each other because we are all image bearers of God and that makes us equal. 
yeah. in, in, in God's eyes. Another thing that scripture teaches us is in Acts 17, 26. It says, God made from one, um, one person, one human being, one image bearer of God, every nation, pan-ethnos, that's, that's every ethnic group of mankind. So God made from one human being, one image bearer of God, every nation of mankind to live in all the face of the earth, having determined their appointed times and boundaries of their inhabit, their habitation. So right at the beginning of the New Testament, we are being told that God from one created all of us. Mm. So, so biblically speaking, there's one race. Yep. You know, there's not all these different races. There's right. one race, right. which is the human race. Exactly. And we've seen, um, we've seen how beautiful that can be mm-hmm. when people live by that idea that yeah. there is actually, biblically speaking, there is only one race. Right. And it is not dependent upon at all the color of your skin. Right. You yeah, know? absolutely. And, and and this is not a way of... of dismissing culture or or dismissing any type we want to celebrate that we want to celebrate the differences that we understand that there are differences in all those things um but what we are saying is that that overall there is one race and that is the human race yeah yeah one race of human beings exactly and what's crazy is that through all of human history and we're going to talk about this too when we get into the historical standpoint Mm -hmm. there was there there hasn't we didn't break down based upon skin color never and and certainly not for people who are scriptural right people who believe in god's word we don't, we're not breaking things down based upon skin color god didn't separate people based upon skin color yeah. for for god and and obviously for paul here in acts chapter 17 it, it is all about how god took one person and created the entire human race uh, not just not individual races based upon skin color and, and God's not a respecter of persons. Right. He's not a respecter of, oh, this race, uh, uh, this color of skin is higher and more elevated and superior than this one over here. Or they're worthy of more of my attention. They're worthy of more of my, my love and respect. God desires for all the nations to be saved. Matthew 28, I mean, the Great Commission. We all know exactly the Great Commission. The Great Commission. All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go. Make disciples of all the nations. Christ desired for all the nations to hear his gospel, to believe his gospel, and to be saved. And the idea that God placed favorites Mm -hmm. with nations, uh, this nation is God's nation. This nation over here isn't. (laughs) He is the king over all the nations. Exactly. Right? He has exalted the right hand of the Father. Everything is, the earth is his footstool, and everything falls underneath his his dominion and his rule, and he's not a respecter of persons or nations. And that's such a counter to what our society goes with and, and oh, what absolutely. our society says. And so um, and, and in Christ, we are one family, and we're all equal in the family of God. Um, that's right. So yeah. Galatians 3.28 says, There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is no male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Yeah. And what's crazy, Tyler, is that people read that and then they say we ought to, that means we ought to get rid of distinctions. Right. Exactly. And, and that doesn't make any sense because it says there's neither male nor female. And yeah. So I'm, <laughs> am I supposed to believe that there's no distinction between me and my wife? Right. Am I supposed to believe there's no distinction between male and female? It's not a verse that eradicates yeah. the, the idea of distinction. What it does is it eradicates the idea of superiority. Yeah. That's what that verse based off of that exactly. That's what that verse gets rid of. It Mm -hmm. gets rid of superiority. It's saying, listen, there is in the kingdom of God, there isn't Jew higher than the Greek because the Jews at the time believed they were. We are we're God's people. We we have you know God as our Father. All you other nations don't. And Paul's saying, whoa, 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 wait a minute. In God's kingdom, in the kingdom of Jesus, Mm -hmm. that we're not breaking things down based upon supremacy or superiority. There is neither Jew nor Greek nor male nor female nor slave or free. In God's kingdom, we are equal. And what it's doing is it's going back and fixing Mm -hmm. what mankind destroyed. God, at the very beginning, what did he do? Made all in in his image. Everybody equal. Everybody, you know, on the same level. There's no supremacy based on anything. And now what the gospel is doing is the gospel is coming back and fixing what human beings screwed up. Mm -hmm. And Paul is saying, to get this thing right, there's no superiority based on any of these distinctions. Even though the distinctions exist, 
supremacy is wiped off. Yeah. Right? It's done away with. Um, and we, we'll probably get into a topic about interracial marriage at some point. Oh, 100%. Tyler. Yeah. Um, but I think it's important. 1 Corinthians chapter 17, verse 39 says that a wife is bound to her husband as long as the husband is alive. But if the husband dies, mm-hmm. then she's free to remarry. And there's this little phrase at the end of that passage that carries so much theological weight for us. It says, but only in the Lord. Exactly. That's the only stipulation. That's yes. the only one. Yep. It doesn't matter. You can marry someone of another nationality, mm-hmm. another culture, another ethnicity, another color. None of that matters. The only qualification that Paul puts on marriage is you have to marry someone in the Lord to be equally yoked with someone who believes like you right. and is a part of the kingdom of God. And none of the other stuff matters. And that makes sense as to what marriage is a picture of, which is... The, the church. And well, you're going to have to elaborate on that. Tyler. Oh, man. You're going to okay. have to elaborate on yeah. that. Yeah. If you guys don't know, uh, marriage is a picture of Christ and his bride. And uh, so that is that is what we are. Um, that That is why marriage is what it is. And so I don't want to get into that too much. We don't have enough time to no. do that. It's but a beautiful picture, though. It is a beautiful picture. It absolutely and, is. And who, who is Christ married to? Who's going to be worshiping Jesus on the last day when Jesus comes back? It's going to be people from every tribe, nation, language, and tongue. Jesus is this picture of marriage. Jesus is married to all ethnicities, all nations, Mm -hmm. all. So he's certainly not going to put a barrier on us when it comes to who we should marry based upon ethnicity, nationality, skin color. None of that matters. It's just a matter of in the Lord. And and so you see that parallel there that I think... you know, huge for us understanding what Paul's getting rid of is supremacy. Yeah. He's getting rid of supremacy. He's getting rid of superiority. He's not getting rid of distinctions because we are all family. We are all equal in the body of Christ. And even if we're not in the body of Christ, we are all image bearers who are worthy of, like I said at the beginning, respect, honor, dignity, life, and and so Christianity, if you were to ask me from a theological standpoint, Neil, how many races are there? There's one. One. There's one race, the human race. And that race, race. race. that race is broken up into all kinds of different distinctions mm-hmm. and diversity, yeah. but that has nothing to do with superiority, supremacy, or anything like that. Right. And if Christians throughout the centuries have, would have believed this, as they should have, then the Christian church wouldn't have been responsible for a bunch of things they were responsible for. And uh, which Man. very well may be our next podcast is yeah. why the Christian church is has been complicit in racism. And it's because the church has not believed properly what scripture said. And, and the American church twisted scripture and manipulated scripture in order to, to keep their power, to keep their supremacy and to, to, to really perform evil. And uh, it's a tragic, tragic thing. And so understanding what God has to say about race right off the top is the most important thing before we can ever move forward in any conversation that we're going to have after this or any podcast we're going to have after this. Now, unfortunately, human history has not lined itself up with Scripture. And because human history has not lined itself up with scripture, we get into a lot of the errors that we have today. In fact, if you want to look back, though, at all human history, people have been divided up. There's no doubt about that. I mean, there's no way of looking at human history and say we weren't divided up. We were divided up, but it was always based upon nationality. Right. It wasn't based upon skin color. The color of a person's skin had nothing to do with it. You were either a Jew, a Roman, Mm -hmm. a Babylonian a Greek. It, it it wasn't broken up into a color-based right. system. That is a, a very new idea that came along at the end of human history as we know it. Very conveniently, I might add. Very conveniently. <laughs> um, now, there's some truth if you want to start talking about when, like, okay, Neil, if you're saying, you know, that race is not something that has existed for all of human history, then when when did it start becoming a thing? When did breaking people up based upon skin color 
become a thing. And there's some truth um, that lighter-skinned Europeans began looking down upon darker-skinned people um, as early as the 15th 15th century, century. right? As early as uh, Columbus. In fact, when Columbus came over to America... He, in a letter that he wrote, he actually talked about the the the, the darker skinned people, uh, the indigenous people in the Americas, and his response was, "They will make good servants." So, right off the bat, there you know that his idea was, "Here are these less less than people, yeah. right? They are less than us." They there he said they were intelligent. Mm-hmm. He said they were beautiful, but. That intelligence and beauty was not looked upon equally the way that he looked upon his lighter-skinned European people. Right. I mean, the fact that he ends up saying, "Hey, by the way, I think they'll make good servants." Yeah. Um, there's some truth that 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 kind of language was going around in the 15th century, but it was the 18th and 19th century when the construction of race, the way that we know it today, mm. started getting, you know evolved and and started wrapping its you know mind around um skin color yeah. being a racial thing yeah. uh and really dividing people up the the way that we know it today right. the way that we understand it today and and I just jotted down a few dates because I think um for me I like to I try to create somewhat of a timeline um mm-hmm. I'll be honest with you there are giant volumes of this stuff I know you've seen them as well, but mm-hmm. dude, there's just giant volumes of racial construction, like where it came from, how it was set up, how did it get to where we are. Uh, again, I would just encourage you, we'll, we'll post some resources um, on our, our social media pages and stuff like yeah. that so that if you want to grab some of those and dig in and do more work. So this is, trust me, this is a massive, you know, paraphrase <laughs> of the history of you know, race as we know it. But here's what you need to understand. And I think there's a we all it's it's a social construct. Right. It 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 yes. There's no basis whatsoever. And everything agrees. All of all of the the information out there, all the books and everything oh, else, it's, it doesn't even deny it. it. Yeah. It is a social construct. It, it, right. I mean, there's no yeah. real rebuttal. Theology to agrees it's a social stru- construct. Philosophy now agrees it's yep. a social construct. Science now agrees it's a, a yeah. you know all all of the the sciences that study human beings. In fact, the 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 difference between any two human beings on the planet is 0.2%. percent. Point two. So Crazy. not two percent. No, point two. Point two percent. So yeah. genetically, the the only genetic difference there is from the two. I mean, you look at two people who you would think are super, you know different, right? You take one person who's super, super fair skinned mm-hmm. and you take someone who has super, super dark skin, right? Genetically 0.2% difference. So all of our science, philosophy, theology, sociology, like yeah. anything you want to study, we have now come to the conclusion and understanding that it is a social construct, right? There's, there's no basis for race based colorization to exist. Mm-hmm. It just simply doesn't exist. And it started, though, back in 1779. Again, this is going to be a big, (laughs) quick overview. But in 1779, Johann Blumenbach broke the human race down into five different categories. And he used what he called at the time scientific evidence for racial differences. Mm -hmm. So back in 1779, we get the races broken up based upon... Uh, their differences. Right. And he's trying to use scientific evidence. He collected skulls and, but man, <laughs> it was flimsy work. Yeah, it was, it was some pseudoscience. So it d- definitely, it was <laughs> exactly that. It was pseudoscience. It wasn't real. Yeah. It wasn't real science. Um, and you may not be familiar with that name, but Tyler, they're going to be familiar with the next name. The next name is Charles Darwin. Darwin. I don't think anybody listening to us right now, um, has you don't have to be educated on who Charles Darwin was. Right. Um, 1859, that's when he published his book, The Origin of the Species. It was a preservation. He actually 
the, the, another title of it was The Preservation of Favored Races in the Struggle for Life. <laughs> Most people don't know that, right? They just know the origin of the species. Right. They don't know the rest of the title. And uh, this is where he laid out his theory of evolution. Mm. This is where he laid out his theory that um, we come from one common ancestor, natural processes, given enough time, given enough um, heat, yeah. given enough uh, certain circumstances that the human race would evolve from a common ancestor um, with other animals. And, um, and with certain races more developed than others. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And, <laughs> and, and he, he didn't really develop that in The Origin of Species. His next book, The Descent of Man, this is how he demonstrates how he believes that man evolving from this common ancestor evolved into various races with some races more developed than other people. So yes, race as a social construct existed before Darwin, but Darwin like pumped it full of steroids. You know what I'm saying? Like he, he came along and just injected the whole idea into, um, the entire culture of Europeans and what what really what was going on in the Americas uh, at the time. Um, five years later, um, in 1864, Winwood Reed published his book *The Savage Africa*, where he argues that the black race, given the principles of evolution, which what's the the main prospect of evolution it's the the survival of the uh, fittest fittest. survival of the fittest right Mm -hmm. and so in his book savage africa he says the black race because it's inferior will be wiped out yep either but either from itself or from others that that the the african race of people okay which were darker skinned people that they would eventually just you know wipe themselves out and um again gathering his science and his understanding from Darwin, from Blumenbach before him, mm-hmm. from the, the breaking down of, you know, Caucasoid was at the top yeah. of the, the breakdown and Negroid was at the bottom. Right. So if you want to know the pseudoscience that was being established, you had Caucasians at the top. So yeah. if, if you were light-skinned, you were at the top of the evol- evolutionary chain. Right. And if you were a dark-skinned um, African or Aborigine or from Australia, then you were the very, very bottom. And and just for clarification, uh, Johan and Charles Darwin both were probably white, right? Yes, yeah, they that's, were. That's believe very that. Convenient. Believe that or not. Very convenient. Believe that or not, they they were. Uh, they were white. And so, again, that's just a quick rundown, but mm. you see how de- how the development kind of started. Yeah. It started with maybe innocently enough by Blumenbach just looking at racial differences and breaking them down based upon what he thought was scientific at the time. Then Darwin comes along and, and plays on top of that, and he begins breaking it up with a belief that there are some races that are more superior than others. And mm. then, just as an example, Reed comes along and publishing a book about Africa wiping itself out. And these yeah. weren't the only people at the time writing on this issue. Uh, these are just a few that we grabbed to demonstrate that, hey, this was the, the thought that was growing in, uh, in Europe at the time. And it began to, to spread wildly, even into, you know, the Americas. Yeah. Um, and what was going on around the same time was, was the slave trade. Yeah, right? yeah, right, exactly. So nearly 8 million African Americans uh, with 2 million dying during the voyage. Yeah, <laughs> so you have 8, 10 Africans were brought to the Americas. Yeah. 10 million, and two of them died just two million of them died just trying to get during here. During the voyage. Oh, yeah, because they wouldn't take care of them. They were thrown underboard. There were diseases that were happening. And when they died, they were just thrown overboard. That's why a lot of Africans have no, um, a lot of them have no clue about um, their ancestry, where they came mm. from. Um, 
a lot of names are changed. Yeah, and names all that were stuff, changed yeah. with slavery, and and a lot of the uh, of those two million, some just literally killed themselves. They knew what they were going to, and so they just jumped off the slave trade boats just to kill themselves rather than going, you know, into slavery. And all of that was kind of moving. Um, I mean, eight million uh, Africans came over and were brought to the Americas, and that's South America, the Caribbean. Uh, North America, but 8 million of them were brought over. And so what was happening is this idea of races being broken up in, in from superior to inferior now begin to play into the way that we treat human beings, mm-hmm. right? If you are a savage African who is inferior to me, then it doesn't matter how I treat you. Right. You're not even fully human. Right, you're and, that, not... and that's what they always do is they take your humanity from you. Right? Yes, like that is that is the main key. If we can make it, it Nazis and uh, yeah. Nazis and Jews, same way. Right, we can take your humanity. We can get these people thinking that you are not an image bearer. Right, like I am. Yeah, then I can do what I want. I can with do you. what I want with you. I, I can I can do what I want. Evil. With you. Yeah, and and slavery. Uh, I mean, Chattel slavery, that's that's what it was. You are not a human. You, slavery in the Americas became something that had never been before. It was race-based, mm. color skin-based. And so what ended up happening was they began basically saying the Africans that are enslaved to us, they, they're like our cattle, yeah. right? And the, the way that the Europeans in power got that done in North America is because here's, here's what, here's what started happening. Let me back up. Just saying, here's what started happening. I get a little ahead of myself. Get it, man. Get it. They, the Europeans in power, okay. Did not just have Africans as slaves. Okay. They also had Irish as slaves. They had other Europeans as slaves, right. and and at the time they weren't really probably calling them slaves. They were more they were more indentured servitude, servants, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. But they weren't all treated now. They weren't all treated the same, and they weren't all treated the way that we typically think of it. In other words, um, they could earn money, mm-hmm. they could get married, they could mm-hmm. eventually buy themselves out of of slavery or indentured servitude. Right. Um, but what began to happen is when the Irish. And the other Europeans felt oppressed alongside the Africans who felt oppressed. The natural thing would be for the Africans and the other lighter skinned indentured servants to start joining up, right? To start gathering with each other, to start building alliances over a common mistreatment, right? right? Well, you're like me in the sense that you're treated the way that I'm treated. Mm -hmm. You know, you're, Mm. you're like me in the sense that you're... Um, you're an indentured indentured servant as well. Well, guess what happened, America, when the Europeans in power began to see the teaming up of their indentured servants from dark to light skin. As soon as that, they began to see that, they came up with a term that had really never been used before. And it's the term white. white. Yep. That term was created and made up to refer to anyone who did not have African or Indian indigenous people. You know, they called them Indians. Uh, not one drop of African or Indian blood. In them. Not one drop. Right. So that would disqualify you. Yes. You yep. could not, you could, you could look. Light skinned, right? But if you had a drop, if your great great grandfather was, you know, uh, an African or a an Indian, then you were not white. Mm-hmm. And so this social construct was created to separate the indentured European servants and the African servants. Mm-hmm. It was to to let the lighter skinned indentured servants know you're white. Yeah, you're better than. These African savages, you, this, this is a social construct. Um, it was a, a political construct. It was a tool that was used to unite Europeans 
in order to solidify strength, maintain control, and dominance over Native Americans and African slaves. Made up by white Europeans to keep their power. And as uh, I mean, if you think about it, if, if whiteness was created in, in that way, then black also yeah, absolutely. was that. It's a result of that as well. Yeah. Right? So, blackness was created. Yeah. And, and it happens to be, in that context, it's, it's stained, right? Like, it's, it's a, they are stained. We are white, pure, all this. And, and yeah. the black is just this yeah. stained. And, and again, just removing their humanity um, or trying to anyways. Yeah. And, and, and think about, think about the, the arbitrary definition of whiteness that exists today. Yeah. Right. Number one, scripture doesn't lay that out. No. Scripture has no concept of whiteness. Mm -hmm. Almost the entirety of human history has no concept of whiteness. Right. We start breaking down people based upon race, but it's not quite yet in the 1700s based upon skin color. Mm -hmm. uh, then that begins to change, that begins to change. And then when colonialism happens in America and now we have to create something to make sure that manifest destiny happens, yeah. to make sure that, that we as, as light-skinned Europeans rule this country. This is our country. It's not the Africans' country. It's not the indigenous people's country. It's yeah. our country. Mm -hmm. And so if you have a drop of that blood, exactly what you said, you're stained. Now, and, th so, and so think about that today, though, right? Think about the idea of whiteness. Mm -hmm. Me and my wife have a different shade of skin color, right? I am, I can tan, I can get dark, <laughs> Uh, my wife is very fair complexion. Uh -huh. You would look at both of us, and if you were saying which one of us was white, mm -hmm. it would be my wife. Right. Yet I'm called a white guy mm -hmm. as well, right? Yeah. Even though you look at us and you're like, well, actually Jessica's white. Neil, you're a little bit more brown than she is. Right. Uh, most African Americans, and black's not even a color of skin, right? I mean, right. it's just shades of brown. It's just melanin, right? Mm -hmm. How much melanin do we have in our skin? But the idea that, and again, they they didn't care about the science back then, right. you know, nor did they know it, but they didn't care about it. It was one drop of blood of African descent yeah. or indigenous people, Indian, then you're not white. Yeah. You're not supreme. And you you're are lesser than. You are less than yeah. a human. So far less than, then we will treat you as our cattle. Mm -hmm. You have no more rights than our cattle does. Um, that's why when, in, when we, in the Constitution originally, the, uh, uh, an African-American was treated as one-third of a human being. They weren't even considered a full human being because of this pervasive idea of white and black. And, and think about this. When someone walks up to me, right, or someone walks up to you, Tyler, and they say, hey, what race are you? How do you normally respond? I say white. Yeah, uh, you're white, right? Yeah. If, if someone walks up to your wife, what race are you? How does she respond? Yeah, white. She's white. Someone walks up to your best friend and says, hey, Stephen, what color are you? How does he respond? He says, I'm black. I'm black. <laughs> now, let me ask you a question. Is there any other race nah, between nah. those two that identify themselves based upon color of skin? Nope. Is there any other race that goes, hey, uh, go, go up to some Mexican and be like, hey, uh, you know, what, ra what race yeah. are you? Yeah. They don't go brown. Right. They, they don't do that. Right. They don't identify themselves with skin color. It's, mm. I'm an American, yeah. or I'm a Mexican-American. They immediately identify themselves by their nationality. Exactly. There are only two groups of people in, in the history of the world that has been broken down this way based upon skin, skin color. Mm -hmm. And it's what we deem as white people and what we deem as black people. Yeah. And to this day, we use the language of white and black. And, and there's no really getting away from it at this point. Yeah. But we use that language and we don't even know where it came from. Right. We don't even know how it started. Yeah. And, and if you're listening to this podcast, I want you to understand that this arbitrary political social construct of white and black came straight from the devil, mm. came straight from the devil. It did not come from God. It has not helped us one bit. Right. 
in, in loving people. Yeah. It has not helped us. And we've got to deconstruct the idea of whiteness, yeah. right? Because whiteness was a setup for superiority. And we've got to deconstruct that idea that, that, you know, that was set up for us at the get-go. This arbitrary whiteness that still exists today uh, and, and blackness for, for that part. We are the, it's just amazing to me that we, that we have just bought into this. Yeah. You know what I mean? That we've just bought into. And we have. Though, I mean, the whole world. <laughs> like, yes. All, all of society, we have, we have bought into this and it's, has such a dirty, dirty historical past to yeah. it. So it's, it is crazy. Yeah. And you know what kills me too, Tyler, is people will say, you know, why do we have to talk about race all the time? Right. Or they'll say, you know, why do black people always talk about race? Yeah. You know, they're not black Americans. They're just Americans. Mm-hmm. Um, what irritates me, and I know what irritates a lot of African-Americans, yeah. is they go, the European white people made all this up. <laughs> like, if you want to know why you have treated us less than for you know, almost the entirety of this country, right. you have treated us less than, you're the one who deemed us black. White people deemed us black and they deemed themselves white. And now you're mad at us for holding on to the term black or to use the... La- Y'all are the ones that set it up for us. Mm-hmm. And then you're mad at us for using what you set up. Yep. Like, and that doesn't just, it doesn't make any sense to me right. when we understand the history. And that's why I think this podcast is so important because... Yeah understanding the theology and the history of this stuff that enables us to move forward in a way that I think is so much better for loving people that, that we haven't under, we haven't never walked in their shoes. We've never stood where they've stood. And so we haven't quite understood where they're coming from. And I think having a better concept of where they're coming from, where we got this idea of race, this arbitrary idea of race and how it has so impacted um, this nation. And that's not even, we're not even, talking about civil war and Jim Crow and right. like, we're just talking about, oh, we'll the, get into that. Though. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. We're, we're just we're, talking about the construction of it yeah. and the damage that the construction of that has done to image bearers of God, man. Remember what I said to my kids, you are, you are worthy of dignity. You are worthy of respect and you are worthy of life. That's what human beings should believe about other human beings. And when we designed whiteness and blackness, we were erasing the idea of people being image bearers of God, yeah. completely erasing it. And I, I love this quote. Uh, this is by Frederick Otto Hertz. He says, at the heart of racism is re- the religious assertion that God made a creative mistake when he brought some people into being. Yeah, yeah. So when we adopt that in in our theology and we we adopt that in our um in our churches and and that kind of thinking, mm-hmm. we are literally saying that God made God made a mistake. God made a mistake. Yeah, you messed up, God. Why didn't you make us all the the highest superior that you you know supreme right. beings that you could have? Right. You know, and and again, that's what I mean. This isn't a podcast on dealing with handicap, but <laughs> that's that's how you you know the, the church should view handicapped people, right? Yeah. yeah. Like just because they have a a a struggle that you may not have doesn't mean they're not worth the same dignity, same life and same respect that you are. And God did not make a mistake when he sovereignly was in control of their legs, not working like they should, or their brain not working like they should. And the struggle they have has been brought upon by not them, right? (laughs) By European. Right. Yeah. And then, yeah, when we're, so we're talking about black people, their struggle has, has been brought upon them because of sin. Right. You know what I mean? It's, yeah. It was brought upon them because of sin and this arbitrary idea of whiteness and blackness. And we've got we've to deconstruct all that in our minds. Yeah. Maybe not necessarily in our language all the time because it's so prevalent, but we've got to deconstruct it in our minds if we're going to move forward and love people like we should. Neil, how do we love people the way that we should through this? Uh, the the thing that I would say is that we need to first of all come to come to the understanding that there's a lot of things that we do not understand. Right. Right. Um, I know myself. 
I will speak for me. I'm still ignorant to a lot of this stuff. I'm learning. I'm growing every single day. Me too. Um, I have a desire to to learn and grow. So if you guys will hit me up and, and discuss these things with me, I, I would love to do that. Um, but we are we are needing to do the work in general. And so um, the work that really needs to be done is, is this deconstruction. Neil talked about it earlier. Uh, this deconstruction of superiority, right? Mm-hmm. And so what we would call dismantling whiteness, right? And right. that does not mean, as as we would say, that does not mean that, that you're ashamed of your heritage. Yeah, or, I'm happy I'm white. Yeah, and, <laughs> and that's okay. There's no white guilt here. That, um, that I feel guilty for being white. And that's just as unbiblical, right? We, Absolutely. We want to God made me this biblical way. Biblical perspectives every single time. And so I'm fearfully and wonderfully made white. Right. <laughs> and, and and black people are fearfully and wonderfully made black, black. Yeah. and and that is beautiful and so we want to celebrate that and um, dismantle this idea of superiority and right. and the thing that's hard about this kind of stuff is that there's a blind spot for a lot of people mm-hmm. yeah myself included oh absolutely right? there are there are blind spots in these topics that, that we just we don't understand because we haven't lived it. Dude, there's not a week that goes by that I don't read something. I'm trying now constantly to be reading something on this issue yeah. right now, but there's not a week that goes by that I don't read something and I'm like, oh my gosh, I didn't have a clue. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, and I, don't get, I don't get mad at myself. I'm kind of disappointed. Right. You know? But you don't know till you know. Right. And so I think just putting in the work to try to know more. Exactly. You know? Not, you know, just plugging the podcast. This podcast <laughs> is one of those resources. Yeah. There are books. There are other podcasts. There are websites. There are so much out there to help educate. People are making more and more videos, short videos that you could watch to help educate. So, yeah, education and just being humble enough to say, I, I, I need to grow and learn in this way. And that's a way of loving your African-American brothers and sisters. Yeah. And, and that's uh, when I've asked. I mean, I, I've been that guy that's like, what can I do? Yeah, what can I do? You know, and, and that is like, we don't want to educate you anymore. Yeah. Like do the work. Yeah. The stuff's out there. Please do the work. And it's, and again, it's not really disputed. It's yeah. just history. Yeah. And, and there's not a bunch of different scientific yeah. studies that show that, that race is, it's do the work and at yeah. the very elementary level. And you will see that, um, yeah. that this has all been created and it has been a social construct. And so, yeah. and I think too, I think the, the, what's debated is what's the best thing moving forward. Yeah. Like what are plans we should put in place? Mm-hmm. But what's not debated is here's the, the problem we've had. Right. You know, um, because everybody that I know, once they look into the history, once they study, their response has always been to me, I had no clue. Mm-hmm. My heart breaks. What can I do? Yeah. Um, and usually disagreement comes as to, you know, what do we do? Right. But I, I think, like, let's at least get there. Yeah. You know what I mean? Let's do all the work we got to do. We can work with that kind of heart. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> let's, let's work with, do all the work we got to do to get to the place where we say, okay, it's been a problem. It is a problem. What can I do? Right. And, and that's where you know, the broad themes of justice come into play. Yeah. You know, we, we just want justice. If someone is, is killed or murdered or mistreated, we, we want those things dealt with, with biblical justice. Yeah. We don't want things swept under the rug. We don't want things pushed aside. We don't want people, um, to believe that they are less than. And so we just want justice. Christians should be for justice, whoever it's for, and we should be for justice, regardless of whether they fit into our our view of things or not. And a lot of times, I think we have a tendency to, man, I'll really fight for justice if you're on my side. Right. I'm not going to fight for justice as much. And for the Christian, it's, wait a minute, this is going back to the beginning, right? Yeah. Us versus, not us versus them, but us, us for them. them. Yeah. And justice for everybody because they're all image bearers of God. And that's all, you know, that's the, the broad concept that if we can get everybody to that place, then moving forward, it would be, it'd be and, huge. And how much unity is there in diversity, right? Like if, if we can all band together and, and unite, then there is, um, 
there's something that that can be said about that, and that's that's the way heaven's going to look. Oh yeah, right. Yeah. The new earth <laughs> is going to be earth, a bunch of people. And, uh, I mean, that are completely different. Yeah, excuse me, new earth for sure. Yeah, heaven on earth. Heaven on earth. It will be completely different kinds of people in perfect unity. Yeah, and we should be living that now. We should be living out the heaven on earth now. The unity in diversity. Right. Doesn't mean we look the same. Doesn't mean we act the same. Doesn't mean we think the same. But it means that we rally around the truth of the gospel and we rally around the fruit of the gospel to a point that everyone feels respected, loved, and everyone feels like they have you know dignity. And we don't have to be afraid of that. So how would you do that? How would I what? How would you walk that out? How would you? Um... Well, first and foremost, we got to know the gospel. Yeah. I mean, first and foremost, we have to know what the gospel is and we have to know what fruit of the gospel should look like. So the reason why I am an anti-racist is because I believe the gospel fruit Mm -hmm. is to be anti-racist. The reason why I am uh, anti-abortion is because I believe the gospel fruit makes me anti-abortion. So the the issues, the, 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 the life that I live comes from understanding the gospel first and then living out the fruit of the gospel in in that way, right? So yeah. the gospel is what has Jesus done for me? And the fruit of the gospel is I love my neighbor as myself because I'm because what God has done in my life. Mm. And so if I'm just willing to do that, um, it goes a long way into into loving people and not allowing uh, unnecessary divisions to to come in and to rally around the to keep the main things the main things. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Amen. Well, guys, I just want to thank you. If you stuck with this entire podcast, we just want to thank you for joining us. Thank you. We are the outsiders, and we want you to help us promote this. So, man, subscribe on iTunes. uh, Rate us. Give us a review. Unless it's bad, then just don't (laughs) give it to us at all. But uh, share the podcast on social media. We're going to do the best we can to provide resources and to to do this thing regularly. And we want your support. We want your feedback. We want your love. We want to discuss these things and we want to grow together in these things to our African-American brothers and sisters in Christ. And, and even those that, that don't believe in Jesus, we just want you to know that we're with you. We're behind you. We are alongside of you. We love you. You are worthy of dignity. You are worthy of respect and you are worthy of life. We hope that you will, uh, Spread the word as well. Keep this podcast on your heart, on your mind, the things that we share today. And let's try to love each other the best we can. And let's continue to live out what God has required for us to live out. And we will see you next time.